Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Right. Welcome back. Games to Love podcast. Ben's here. JG's here. And this week, we're joined with another special guest. It is ATP Physio, Wolf. How are you doing there hey, over in Phoenix? <laughs> How's it going, gentlemen? Yeah, very good. And you? Very good. Very good. Could be better, but uh, could have the tennis tour on, but bigger things are going on. So Yeah. How's the weather over there in uh, Arizona? Perfect. It's, uh, I guess in Celsius would be low twenties, sunny every day. And, uh, but it's about to get hot, really hot. You'd be surprised uh, to know there's actually been 25 degrees here over the past few days. Wow. So there's been yeah, a lot of we've, we've had like Wimbledon level weather already. I wouldn't go that wow. far. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know. So uh, have you been having the chance to keep playing tennis where you are like is the lockdown official on tennis courts there or it was open for a while and then as things closed then more and more tennis centers closed down and and it could be slim there and then a a park courts near me literally just got locked up uh yesterday so they're they're trying to lock things down phoenix isn't bad i think we have 300 cases of the virus. So I think they're trying to keep it low and they've just closed everything down. So if you have access to a private court, then it helps. But uh, otherwise, they've, they've pretty much shut it down. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best thing to do in times like this. Like they've got to shut it down. The quicker, the, the quicker this is all over, the better for everyone, really. Um, it's the right action they've done. But what yeah, I'm going to start I mean, off with today is this. So you're a physio for ATP players. Yes. What, what, what players do you, like, um, do you deal with mainly? So most of the American guys, uh, the first guy I started working with was Taylor Fritz. Um, and they're a small, pretty close group. Um, they're all the same age. Um, it's, uh, 
it's a it's a group that we haven't seen since probably the nineties. I mean, you had that big group in the nineties of American guys, and then you had obviously really good players like Roddick and 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 Ginepri and all these American guys, but there wasn't that many. And now you have this this big group that are all the same age. Yeah. Um, so they all hang out together. So um so something with Frit and uh Mackenzie McDonald or Mackie as we call him. Yep. Uh, he's a little older than the group. He's a couple of years older because he went and played at UCLA. Uh, he joined the crew. Um, and then through, I mean, they all hang out. They play video games together while we're doing treatment. And they're good buddies and they practice together. And, and through, through those guys, I got to meet Riley Opelka and Tommy Paul and, and pretty good friends with all the Americans. But those are the guys that I've worked with. But we mm. hang out with all the Americans and... And so those are the four guys that I've worked with primarily, but I've worked with other guys in the top hundred at training camps and, and a, a few juniors too, but, but those are my main guys. So, okay. yeah. So before we talk about them guys in particular, like I want to know what your thoughts are on um, American tennis in general. Like uh, a lot of people have been saying, especially in our comment section of people <coughs> we spoke to in tennis saying how they feel that tennis um, in America at the moment is on the rise and there's so many young people coming through. But something what me and Ben was talking about on another podcast is we was unsure, like, what is the cause behind more American tennis players coming through? Do you think it's to do with the funding in colleges now? or? Well, that's a, that's a question we've talked about on tour a lot. Um, I, not that long ago, I talked to Jonas Bjorkman and Magnus Norman about what's going on with Swedish tennis. You know, why? And they seem... You know, they, they seem to think it's the lack of the, the clubs. They used to have so many clubs and they would all compete with each other. And that broke down. And, and you haven't seen like this big wave of Swedish players in a long time. When if yeah. you look at the 90s, there were yeah. so many, you know. And then Australia hit the lull while uh, and then started to bounce back. But they don't have as many as the Americans. You know, in that same age group as my players, you've got Francis Tiafo, um, a little older, but you know, all those other guys, Kozlov and, and, and Escobedo, and there's a bunch of young Americans. So Lunch yeah, they're, they're doing well. something right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, we actually counted of guys, Tommy Paul and I were counting once of the guys that had either been top hundred or potential top hundred in the U S and it, obviously it's tough to get them all there at the same time. We counted like 24 guys. Like that's a lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I think that, well, Australian tennis as well is coming, but it's not at the same le level, I'd say, as the US youth that's coming up. But they've still been having a really good time of it as well with the likes of Millman and with Alex de Menor, people like that. Of course. Such a of strong... Course. And, and, and it's a, yeah, it's a smaller country, so we're going to see less volume probably. <clears throat> I, I think the root of that question is you, you know, when you see a, somebody break through, that's 10 years in the making, right? Maybe more, right? Yep. So what did the U.S. start doing 10, 15 years ago that, that changed it? So maybe they decentralized the program, allowed, allowed the coaches, allowed the players to develop through their own coaching systems, but then used the National Association to kind of help, help their private coaches, bring them in for camps, assist with that. Um, and so I don't know what the key ingredient is, but that's kind of what they've tried to do. You know, they, they have big training centers now. They have the one in Florida. 
where they'll bring the players in with their own private coaches and then have the coaches there help them with their development. So um, versus all, you know, being one centralized program. So I don't know. I think in Spain it's decentralized, but then the association helps, you know. But they're kind of seeing this kind of lull compared to what they had, right? Mm. I mean, they have all guys inside the 200, and who do they have really coming through? It's not like this. It's not like 10, yeah. The only, you know? the only name which, uh, well, creeps up constantly on our podcast uh, is the next breed is uh, Carlos Alcaraz Garcia, which is yes, the 16-year-old. kid who's, yeah, he's built like a man, right? Yeah, so, well, he's yeah, huge. Incredible. And just got, yeah. the, got the game to back it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... So I don't, you know, I don't know what's doing it. And I, I definitely know that, that success breeds success. So these guys, they're really good friends with each other, but they also want to beat each other. So if one guy does well, you know, Francis did really well there for a while. And yeah. that, you know, one of the, the other guys wanted to push up there and then they pushed up there and then they kind of leapfrog each other. And Tommy Paul's and, been uh, probably having some of the best of it of late as well. Like, yeah, no. I mean, if you talk to all the boys, they knew... That that he had the talent. He was just had had some injury runs there, and it was unlucky. But they all knew he would get there. It was just yeah. if once he's healthy for a long enough period of time, you'll see him come through because he's a freak athlete. He's an amazing athlete. And so, yeah, remember, he's been healthy. If I remember correctly, him, Tommy Paul, and Taylor Fritz. They they knew each other at college, right? And they used to have a lot of battles, like back in the juniors. Back in the junior, yeah, n- not in college. They oh, their last year, yeah, their last year. Of, juniors they had verbally committed to college but once they won a slam in juniors um then i i guess you know the endorsements come in and, and they were winning matches and so they decided to to turn pro but in that year um tommy beat taylor in the final of the french junior and then riley won the wimbledon junior and then taylor won the u.s open juniors um, incredible and Francis and Kozlov, they had, they had stopped playing juniors and they were still eligible. So you had all those guys playing at the same time in the juniors. It was a joke tough. It was think, so competitive. I wow. think we need yeah. to like emphasize as well on this point because it's no easy thing for a player to be able to even make it onto the professional tour. So to have that many players coming through at once, it's incredible i don't think it's like yeah yeah, i mean i mean that's why i think it's such a rare kind of generation that we haven't seen since the 90s at least this many guys are completely from one country you know it's it's yeah yeah. so whatever they've done they should keep doing but one thing i would say is i think it's really good that there's because there's so many young people coming through at the same time like you say they play against each other it's very competitive but when it's very competitive, it sort of brings it brings out the best in you and brings out the best of your tennis. Hundred percent. So having so many great players all in one generation coming through, it's making them all better. Because like watching them play, I've noticed that they they've all got different attributes of their game. What they're better at, like um, Taylor Fritz's forehand's incredible. Looking at obviously Riley Opelka's serve, it's next level. Right. And right. it's like it's amazing how they've all got different aspects of their game where they're particularly brilliant at. I think all their serves are pretty, pretty amazing. Oh, they're, they're all, all, these, very good serves, yeah. all the US players, their serve, they seem to have on point. Oh, I, that's one thing I've been noticing watching even the Challenger events with JJ Wolf as well, another one. But their yeah. serves are <clears throat> literally the thing that's like driving their games. And Yeah, I guess can, it's like first strike tennis, right? I mean, and there's definitely, the Spanish have started to change. At, at first it was, you know, 
back up, let the drop, and, and hit it heavy. And the games become more linear and more, you know, fast and, and driven. So that first strike tennis that Americans play is, is, is useful. It's working, right? So, but yeah, they, they do all have good serves, right? I mean, in first strike tennis, it's, it's difficult. If you don't have a decent enough serve, you better have the wheels to back it up, you know? And, and the guys that, that, well, that are, like the Nishikuris and the Nishiokas, um, they can get to that first ball and, and yeah. it doesn't matter if they're behind a little bit, you know? Well, yeah, say, so yeah, if you don't have the big they? game, you better have the wheels. Yeah, they said, I, well, I read something the other day, they said uh, or 80% of all tennis rallies in the men's uh, is over in four shots. Like that's, Yes, four shots or less. So yeah, it's, or less. it's first strike. You know? Yeah, so it's crazy. Um, it's so important, that serve. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the technical aspect in developing a good serve is so important. So a lot of them have a, a very technically sound, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's important. <clears throat> the biomechanics and you have the physical ability to get into that, um, that position that you need to be in uh, to maximize the serve. And now with motion analysis readily available on your phone, you can track improvements. Um, I think... Now in this day and age, there's zero excuse to have poor technique. You know, you can yeah. you can put yourself side by side with the best strokes in the game, and you can break your stroke down to somewhat mimic the key parts of the best strokes in the world. And uh, it still happens. It's still sad to see some technical faults come through. Uh, I mean, that's that's a coaching thing. Um, when you have this, you know, it used to cost. 2500 bucks in software and a, a desktop computer to do motion analysis now we can do it off of our phone i'm just gonna uh, ask you like just with regards to technique and stuff it's how many players do you see getting injuries from not having or having improper technique is that a very common thing in tennis yes yeah, so that's actually a very good question so i see that more in the juniors when they're developing yeah um Plus also, I would say recreational players for sure. You know, if they're laid on a backhand, they're getting tennis elbow, but that, that's a big technical flaw usually. But in the pros, not that much. It does happen. Um, <clears throat> I know with my players, I just keep a running log of serves or techniques from serves. So if something, if they're not hitting it well, I can go back and say, this is when you were hitting it well here's a little quirk that I'm seeing in your stroke now that may be why you're not hitting well, or more from, from my standpoint is this is why your knee hurts because you've developed this weird quirk in your serve and we change things. And if that helps with the knee pain, then we know we're on the right track. So, <clears throat> so I would say the higher the level of game, the less that that dysfunction contributes to pain because usually a dysfunctional movement pattern also means you're less efficient. And at that level, you're probably pretty efficient, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for right? sure. So a lesser level, less efficient, more likely to get injured. So at the pro level, you're not usually making big changes. It's little little quirky things. But yeah, but yeah, it can lead to to, to injuries, you know, yeah. movement in the legs and you know, and, and then certainly in, in the uh, tennis arm. Um, so yeah, no, very important. For sure. So working with all these guys, I've got another question. I was just thinking about why you were talking. Um, for it. How does it work? Like with, um, with regards to you work for a diff obviously this big team, 
if you've got one player in one tournament, you've got one player in another tournament somewhere else, how do you sort of work your time? Like, obviously, you can't be everywhere at once. Do you prioritize no. one player over another, or does it depend on the event? Yeah, so, so that's a very good question. So um, usually we try to do only two players per tournament. Um, there's a few weeks where I've done three, but it's really tough. I mean, those are long days. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't sound like it is, but once you schedule it, um, it's, it's pretty long. So typically, you know, I started with Taylor, so he's like my main guy. And then the other guys share me those weeks. And so... Um, but it's also kind of the, the rule that let's say the one guy loses early and he goes to the next tournament to prepare on that surface, new ball that you stay with the guy that's still in the tournament. Right. And so, so that, that, so that decides a lot. Um, and then there, you know, so if I have a main guy, I'll usually go to that tournament, you know, with me, it's worked out where my guys are, um, at during various stages of the last couple of years, they've had the same ranking and a very similar schedule. And so it's never been an issue, you know, okay. uh, Mackie, unfortunately, you know, it's well publicized, got injured at the French open last year and, uh, and his schedule, um, you know, before the Paris hit was going to start being different. He had a protected ranking. So there would be some that were the same and then some had to go back and play challengers. Right. And yeah. so then it was going to yeah. be tricky to do. But if I had an off week with, say, Fritz, I could go and help out Mackie on, on that off week. So, so then the other guys jump on, like the New York Open this year, Fritz didn't go, so I work with Mackie and Opelka at that tournament, right? Wow. Um, at the Aussie, a couple of the guys had lost early and Tommy was still winning. And, and so I was with Taylor then, just Taylor, and then the other guys lost and went home. So then I helped out Tommy a little bit. Um, because he, you know, he was there. And so, so yeah, you just kind of, just kind of winging a little bit and you can never really plan too far ahead. Cause you know, the tennis ball is pretty crazy, uh, yeah. winning and losing and next tournament and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, usually have a main guy and then you, then you try to split. But so, I mean, as far as like scheduling it, they're long days cause you're doing as a physio, I'm doing work before they do a practice session and then a little bit of work before a match and then treatments at night. And so I tend to do a treatment at night for an hour to an hour and a half. So if I have, you know, three guys that ends up being a long, a long evening. So, so it's hard logistically. Um, I did it at the Aussie. I did three of them and that was tough for me. It's long days. I'm getting up at 7am and going to bed at 1am sometimes later. You know, if a guy, start, if a guy has an 11 o'clock first up match, he's hitting at nine to warm up. So we have to start our work at eight you know, and then the last guy plays a night match. So I got to do treatment after his night match, after prep and all that jazz. So I might not be done till 1am, but I then think, I got to be up at 7 I, for the next day. I think I've got into interrupts just so that me and Jaron can say, we can't feel sorry for you because we're so jealous that you're there on the, oh, <laughs> at this tournament. The same thing. I think we need to just put a bit more of the fact that he's naming all these players. He's like, oh, he's here, over there, there. Oh, Riley was over there. Taylor was there. We're like in awe. We're just looking at you like, wow. Mate, you're really living the life. I think I would, I would live off one hour's sleep uh, a night if I could get to be at the Australian Open every single day, I think. <laughs> Not just be there. I, I, I you tell you, you what, hit on the court sometimes as well, right? Centre court? Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, I have to pinch myself because I am a tennis junkie and I've followed tennis all my life. I wanted to be a player. I played college tennis. Um, 
I'm on the websites every day and I follow all the players. Some guys I used to play with were on tour. Um, so I'm a tennis junkie and, and I never got to the level where I could play these tournaments. And now I'm at these tournaments. I get to practice with the guys and hit with the guys. I've practiced at Wimbledon. I've practiced at all, on all these center courts. And for me, it's a dream. And I, I do have to remind myself I'm, that it's a dream and, and it's surreal. I mean, it's surreal. I walk past these guys or sitting next to them for lunch and, and I still, still am in awe. I'm, I'm very fortunate, very lucky um, to have these experiences and, and I relish every week tennis junkie <laughs> yeah, <I bet. laughs> and it's yeah, really no, not, brilliant it's really not work i'm at a tennis tournament and exactly. i get to go to, to for free and enjoy you know exactly and, um, <clears throat> yeah it's and not amazing i'm very lucky did you get i can a, do it for a while longer. did you get a blade of grass off of uh wimbledon just to have a little jokovic <laughs> not, uh... <laughs> yet. not yet not yet not yet but but i i keep all my credentials those are my sneers for from the tennis oh and tennis ball from each tournament because they usually have a logo so oh. hopefully i have them up on the wall behind me at some point have them all spread out you know <clears throat> have them all signed at some point come on yeah that's you know what i'm not, I'm not a big signature guy um or or a selfie guy so i don't have a lot of if they're not my player i usually don't have a picture with them uh, if roger um, was there though you probably <clears throat> want him to sign a one at wimbledon center court ball wouldn't you well yeah that's true i mean I mean, a lot of the players want a want a signature from from Roger, you know, or a selfie with Roger. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he walks into the dining area and the place just gets quiet. You know, yeah, he's so just like the pinnacle of the te- of the sport. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just crazy, yeah. man. Must like, be awkward yeah. for him. Must feel like everyone's talking about you though when you walk in, and then everybody just goes. No, that is true, right? <laughs> we never think about it, but I, I don't feel sorry for the guy. <laughs> no, they probably just like they probably just get used to it. It's probably like the Tom Cruise effect, isn't it? A little bit. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, all those like a Tiger Woods or a Michael Jordan, just the reality of the yeah. being one of the greatest, you know. So, Obviously, you're in that environment more. Do you feel like, say, like the likes of Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, do they have that same effect, or is it just Roger? No, they do. No, for yeah, sure. Very, yeah, 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 yeah. No, they. When do. you're talking that but, caliber, it's different, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, it's different. And some guys are just more approachable and 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 like to talk, and so they're pretty open. And and other guys like to stick to themselves and a little bit more their group. So you're not going to talk to them that much, you know? Yeah. What I'd like to um, ask you, what like, about Andy Murray? Great guy. Like, I've talked to him quite a bit, actually. He's really open to chit-chatting. And, Seems like um, a top he's guy. Pretty open. He's pretty Seems... he's such He's such a nice guy. And, and he loves tennis, and he's funny. Mate, um, I, was, I was watching, again, by, by, yeah, again, his uh, resurrection documentary, and he chokes me up watching him how passionate is him like and when he's having his operation and stuff and when he can't thinks he might not ever play again and he's having to do these press conferences you can see he can't literally stomach the thought of never playing tennis again it's like heartbreaking to what i mean i I don't know it all gets to me watching him like that gets to me it's really strange i don't know he just has absolutely because because think about it i mean he's one Wimbledon, he's won Olympic gold. He's he's done everything, maybe not everything, but he's done a lot. It's easy to say I can walk away now. World number one. He has one. enough, you know. Yeah, I mean he's he, he's financially set. So really, he's doing it for the love of the game. 
purely for the love of the game. And, and you know, Rogers said that too. He loves the, the camaraderie on tour and chit-chatting with the guys in the locker room. Yeah. Um, that, that guy has a memory. You can ask him about any match at any point in his career, and he knows <laughs> the scoreline. No, it's a joke. But <laughs> wow. He knows everybody's ranking. Wow. Like, I think that's why he's so good, though. I think that's important. Like, if you, need to, you need to still love it. It doesn't matter how great you become. If you lose the love for it, you can never perform at the top level. If, if he didn't love it this much, he wouldn't be playing at this age, you know, late 30s. I agree, yeah. He, yeah. Just, he literally loves it that much, you know? So, With Andy, and, and he's definitely R- got Russell, that as well. So do that, you sorry? think that he can, with Andy, he's got that same love for the sport. But do you think he's able to, with the injuries he sustained, his very bad injury, do you think he's yeah. actually able to get to the top of the game again? It's going to be difficult. Um, it's not necessarily the match play. Um, it's really going to be the day in, day out volume of tennis. Um, knowing what I know as a physio, you know, there is a life expectancy for the, for the components in his hip. And, you know, he's going to get to that end of life of that component in his, in his hip replacement sooner, the longer he plays. So especially um, the way he he, plays as well, especially the way he plays. So he may want to just go full, full in, let it wear out when it wears out another replacement and and then call it, you know, then call it. Honestly, if I was in that position, I love tennis that much, I would probably do the same. Yeah, As a physio, I wouldn't recommend that because <laughs> then there's all sorts of other issues down the road that you might regret when you're 60, you know? Yeah, yeah it would be super um, interesting because he'd come back like last year for like a, uh, for a little bit and he played in, I think it was uh, Antwerp, I'm not sure, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, where he mm. beat with Renka in the final. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing to see him getting at a good level. Like He's able to win an event. It's pretty, it's pretty cool after what he's, what he's been through. Oh, it was like in, to I, see if he can he de- take that one step forward, like you say, he can like go to the expectancy of his tip, go all the way out there, and just push it at the maximum. And let's see. I wonder how far he can go in, like let's say a, a Wimbledon or something like that. No, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, because that procedure that he had done didn't affect the musculature per se. They're not, you know, it's not a muscle tear where the muscle function may not come back. He he can. Yeah, he actually probably is moving better now than you know those those months leading up to the procedure where his hip was so tight he couldn't move so yeah. so you know the, the 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 ball striking is there and then if if he's able to get to the ball then you know there's no reason why he can't still compete at that highest level it's just will it all hold up week in week out um or he may want to be smart and say i'm gonna i'm gonna set my schedule where I'm going to peak at these events, but not play as many so I can play longer. Mm. So, but you, as you guys know, with the ranking system, the way it's set up, unless you play consistently, it's tough to be in the top five. You know, even, oh, yeah. even though those top guys play less events, they just do really well in the events that they do play. Um, you know, so it's going to be a scheduling thing and he may want to just, I, I think what he's, what his plan is, is to play less events and try to peak at the, the more important events that's probably what he'll end up doing. But yeah, on a given day, he could still beat anybody, I reckon. I reckon just yeah. give, him, give him that Wimbledon wild card and then let's just exactly. see him go for it one more time. Why not? I Why not? So. Yeah, unless he's playing Taylor Fritz or something, then I guess you'll <laughs> <be him. laughs> sure, sure. You know what? I'm trying to think. I don't think any of my boys have played Murray since I've been with them. Yeah, no, they haven't. Oh. Yeah, I'd like to say as well, uh, 
I said something on one of the other podcasts, which is apparently fake news, which was apparently Murray was uh, slating the English football team and all that sort of stuff. But apparently it was all in jest. So I'm not saying uh, that I, I'm a, I'm no, I've never been a Murray hater. I've always been a Murray like supporter from like we don't have any we didn't ever had any English players to support. And he was the first British guy to come along. So we were riding him like hard just then to get that first Wimbledon title. I was up late until 5 a.m. in the morning watching that uh, U.S. Open when he won his first Grand Slam. Like, we literally thought he could could have got more, but just the injuries, just so sad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the big as well. There's a lot of great players as well. Like, he's just he's not he's come short against some of the some of the big ones, and only the I big ones. I think he's been. I don't think he's quite like he's always been the fourth best in my like. He's always been a bit below what the best are, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, in this generation, it's really tough with those three guys. It's it's been tough for those guys. I mean, David Ferrer probably would have won the French a few times, being that good on clay. You know, yep. um, Burdich probably would have won a couple. You know, sure. and the list goes on and on. Right? We could talk about it. And then Murray. I mean, Del Potro, Vavrinka to get three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I mean it's just a tough era, which which even goes to show how good these three are to be, you know, stealing slams from each other and still all three of them having more than 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 Pete, you know, which is yeah. crazy. I know, crazy. remarkable. Pete, such an I keep on forgetting how incredible Pete was, and I keep going back and watching some of his old matches, and I'm like, how did he get that shot? Like, there's shots behind him, and he's like. Bending his arm back to front, right. like to right. flick balls back into play. I forgot how good that guy was at tennis. Yeah. Just literally. Th- think, it, think about this. A lot of people forget this. So when he, he obviously had his run and he was really good and didn't win a slam there for, I think, two or three years before he won that final one, right? Um, and, yeah. and then he retired. But he was 31 when he retired. Right, wow. thirty-one. So between the ages of twenty-eight to thirty-one, he really didn't. He didn't win a slam. Now you've got these guys winning slams well into their thirties. That's mind blowing, right? It's remarkable. So they're doing stuff that has never been done before, which is pretty amazing. And that's you know? why you're the perfect guest to talk about it. So why are these players able to play as they're getting older? Is it to do with the physiotherapy they're receiving? Is it to do with technology, something you touched on earlier? I'm assuming I, it's all of them things combined. Yeah. Um, a bit of, I think you've got to put some merit on the player as well. But like, what do you, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's all of those things combined. So, you know, way back in the 90s, you know, Becker and Edberg had their own physio, Lendl, but nobody else had it, right? So they had this advantage. They had their own stringer that traveled with them. They had these advantages, you know, prize money for the winners was, was pretty good. But once you look down the rankings, the prize money wasn't that high. So you really couldn't afford a big team around you. Right. Yeah. Um, and then as the two thousands rolled around and, and more money came into play, um, I mean, McEnroe's career prize money, I think is seven or 8 million bucks, you know, um, mm. you know, and he had an amazing career. And now, uh, I'm sure David Ferrer is, and I think he's 36 million or something. So, so, yeah. so I think now you can afford with the ranking being bumped up. Now players can afford a better team around them. And then there was a stretch there where 
a lot of guys and gals had their physio, but not everybody. And now you're at the point where you're almost at a disadvantage if you don't have that because everybody has that little advantage or a big advantage depending on who you are, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it has something to do with having the whole team, you know, better nutrition, better strength and conditioning science, um, kind of the whole shebang. And everything put together is allowing players to play, you know, longer. And the stats show it. We have more guys inside the top 100, inside the top 50 over the age of 30 than we've ever had. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do see this little wave, though, that everybody's now assuming that their career is going to go into their 30s. And not everybody's working as hard as all those guys did to allow them to play into their 30s. So yeah. I think we see a little bit of a dip in career length before people realize, oh, we got to do the stuff that everybody else is doing to allow them to play in their 30s. You know? I think a question that we asked last week to uh, Philip from Tweenerhead, uh, which would be good to get your take on as well. Which one of these chasing pack of players do you see as being the next big Grand Slam winner, the one who's going to take over. Do you think there's any any of them, the chasing pack? So we had all these... (laughs) There we go. Uh, The Americans are all going to come in. I am. Like, my players always joke because I'm very biased with my players. So... So we, we go, we look at the schedule of the matches at the beginning of the day and we kind of, we kind of sometimes it's, it's kind of like excels. We kind of, kind of see who's going to win matches and who has a goal for them and who doesn't and, and that kind of thing. So we have fun. So we have these discussions all the time and, and the general consensus amongst the coaches, the players, and it's pretty, my opinion too, right now it's tough to say that anybody's going to win none of slams. It might go back to, it might be a little bit more like the women's tour where a lot of different players win yeah. a handful of slams. So, mm. because there's so many talented guys now and you don't see yet that one guy being like a Federer where he piles on a bunch of slams. I remember seeing Federer at 19 and everybody was talking about him. I said, oh, the guy's good, but no way did I think he would be one of the goats, you know? Just because it was, he was good, but it didn't seem like he was that good. So who out of this group might bust into that, you know, that category? We don't know. Who's got but that next so, level? Yeah. So, so like, does, does everybody on tour think that Tsitsipas is going to win one? Yeah. Shapo, yeah. Felix, yeah. Um, you know, the, and that list goes on and on and on. There's so many good ones, you know. Uh, Dominic team's a little older, but everybody thinks he'll win, you know, a few Frenches. Um, so I'd like to think that my guys are in the mix. And so I think we might see not a dominant era, but we might see who's going to win this slam, whoever's in form, right? And sure, the surface has something to do with it, you know? Um, so I think, I think we're in for an exciting era where you don't really, like obviously the last 10, 15 years has been, well, one of the big, is most likely going to win it statistically, right? Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, so like I was saying, like team will probably win a few, but but he's a little bit older than that that next generation crowd. So so I think the the, the talk in the locker room is that there's going to be a lot of different winners on tour um, amongst all those young guys, you know? And and it's on the live tennis ranking app. You can look at the rankings under a certain age. 
So if you look at it under 26 and look at what the top 20 is going to look like, it's pretty cool. I mean, a lot of my players are in that group, nice. right? So, so, and then, and then who's coming up that we haven't heard of yet. And, you know, Sinner is really good and, yeah, and all these young kids. So I think it's going to be a fun, exciting generation. Yeah. So back on a personal level, so more like your role within these players, I want to know, like before a tournament starts, how does it like, what is your, explain to me your job from a very basic perspective, obviously all the jargon might confuse me, but just a very basic perspective. The tournament's about to begin. You're with the players. How does it work? Are you Are you courtside, like where the, where the match is going on? Do you meet in the locker room after the match? So, yeah. So l- let's just talk about one player. Okay. So let's yeah. say it's a practice day. They'll usually practice twice in a day. So I'll get them on the treatment table and we'll do a bunch of manual therapy, stretch them out, work on some tissues that may be sore from the day before. Uh, then we'll go into an active warm up program. A lot of the guys know their program um, off the top of their head. Um, we'll do prehab stuff to try to keep the shoulders strong, uh, that kind of stuff. And then, and then we'll hit the practice courts. And then at the end of the day, we'll do a full treatment session. So stretch them out, do some recovery techniques, um, full massage, the whole shebang. Uh, and then, so if it's a match day, it's a little, you know, it's actually a little easier. Usually you're doing the same treatment and lead up to your warm up because you're usually having a warm up hit. Uh, and then for the match, I'm in the box, um, cheering them on. I'm probably the, one of the biggest fans. So I cheer pretty passionately. Like, you're one of these guys. The guys play. You're one of these guys that they look at every time they hit a good shot, and they're like, "God!" To yeah, their box, I mean, and you're there. A lot, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yes, uh, I'm pretty <laughs> animated. Where the coaches are pretty calm and mellow. I'm like the guy that's in the box. It's pretty an- animated. So, so the t- the cameras sometimes point at me because uh, it's it's good footage, but. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in the box and, and sometimes I'll do some video recording of, of movement patterns that I'm looking at or technique things that maybe we can work on, uh, that we'll work on after. And then I work closely. I do do strength and conditioning, but I also work with the USDA strength and conditioning staff on, on the programs that we put together. Um, and so, um, so yeah, that's my role. And then, then after the match, I'll, you know, give them protein drinks and before the match we'll do um uh, electrolyte drinks and and do and do things like that so um so yeah there's it's that's why it's it's not a busy busy day but you've got something planned pretty much the whole day but but yeah i'm I'm in the box watching unbelievable tennis so so how, how closely do you actually work with the coaches i mean ver- very close we're all um it's all like one big team, uh, right? But you, you list yeah. and your opinions with the coach. Do you ever give like coaching, your coaching opinions to the coach? No. So I, so I think part of being a, in, in a team is knowing your role and not to overstep okay. your boundaries. But if you develop a close relationship, if they ask for my opinion, then I'll give my opinion. So, yeah. you know, like, like Taylor works with Paul Anacone, uh, who worked with Federer and Sampras, like, you know, oh. uh, he works with uh, David Nankin, who's kind of a, a super coach that people don't know about. The, the list of people that he's coached is is amazing, and 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 all the other players have their own separate coaches um, that that I work closely with, and we're all actually very good friends. And there's no 
territorial things. They know that I know my place as far as coaching. I'll jump in with some technical things now they trust me about. Um, so, um, but I always approach them before I approach the player to say, hey, this thing that they're doing on their serve, it's a quirk that I've noticed and it also correlates with them having pain. If we make this technical change, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, let's go for it. Uh, and then if that improves things, then that naturally builds the confidence in that relationship of, hey, we could, you know, as a coach, we could ask Wolf about what he thinks about this technically. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah so, that makes sense. So, and, and then movement pattern, what can be more effective? You're trying to play a more aggressive game. How can we change the movement pattern to cut off balls and cut off angles so you can be more aggressive and get to net quicker? So that's kind of my role. Um, a lot of physios on tour either didn't play tennis or don't play tennis. It doesn't mean that they're not great physios. They're manual skills. They're phenomenal physical therapists, but maybe they don't know tech, tennis technique. I coached and I do coach. And so I know tennis technique that I can meld together with the physio, biomechanics, human movement, and then help out technically with strokes, if that makes sense. Just you, know what, also have that, you know what yeah. muscles that it's doing to you when you're exactly. using it. So Exactly. So, and, and the guys appreciate that and the coaches appreciate that. So I'm, I'm able to give maybe a little bit more feedback than some physical therapists on the tennis part of things, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, and maybe that gives me a little bit better job security, I guess. <laughs> Jack of yeah, all trades. Sure. Cause I can hit with the guys and I'll warm up for matches sometimes. So there's not a lot of physios that hit. So, and is there any uh, of the okay. players, is there any of the players that uh, you've got one over on, on the practice courts? You managed to hit a few nice winners or a few. No, I've, I've won a couple <laughs> of points. Like there's, there were, you know, Taylor and I will have a one-handed backhand challenge. He has two. He is he is one of the world's best two-handed backhands. Yeah. He's very steady. Like people talk about his forehand and his serve, but his backhand he doesn't miss. Like he can just sit there, and then his backhand line is really good. So, but he and I will have a one-handed. I have a one-handed backhand, so we'll have a one-handed backhand challenge. And there's been a couple of times where I'll I'll say, hey, one serve. Let's see if you can. Let's see if I can win win a point off my serve, and I'll win points here and there. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, their level is so good. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I've won a couple points, so I can say that I have over these top guys. That's cool, man. <laughs> I wish I could say that honestly about it. I would take one point against any of them. I was just happy. I was just happy to win a point against him. <laughs> <laughs> right, back, back to the fan thing you mentioned earlier. Obviously you're a big yes. fan of all these guys. Have you ever been in a situation where there's one of them playing against another one? Yeah, it happened last year for the first time. Um, Taylor played against Mackie and Delray mm. Beach. Um, so I, I won't forget that. And it's tough for me. So I have to sit then not in the box. I sit in neutral ground. Oh, um, not cheer. No cheering. No, I can't. Re- I cheer for a good point. If both yeah, guys yeah. play a good point or if there's just a good shot, you know, I'm still a tennis fan. So, it, But they know I'm not cheering for one guy over the other. Um, it's so, but, but there's some guys that are big into communicating with the box. I'll look at the box and they'll give you fist bumps and, and other guys aren't. And so, so even in that situation, Taylor would look and like, you know, give a fist bump and I can't really do too much back because he's playing one of my other guys, you know? Um, and then this year, and then the last 12 months has happened two or three more times. Taylor played against Riley and then Mackie played against Tommy Paul. And so it's going to keep happening. uh, yeah, those are tough because, yeah. They're going I mean, up and up and up, these players. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It, it, it sucks from my standpoint because I'm a pretty vocal guy cheering in the box and I really have to be quiet. 
Um, Soon you're going to be sat at the US Open, like there'll be the semi-finals. It'll be all four Americans that you're training and you'll just be have to sit there. You can't cheer for anyone. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's pretty cool. That's because, not a bad situation to be in. Though, no, man. it's the best. Know, it's, it's the best. It's pretty cool. Um, like, like right before Indian Wells, they played Davis Cup and it was pretty much those three. It was three guys. Um, uh, it was Tommy, Taylor and, uh, and Riley were in the Davis Cup team, which is pretty cool. Like I'm yeah. pretty... Uh, I feel pretty stoked for them. I'm pretty proud, you know, because they're, they're my guys, you know. And so that was a blast. Never thought, you know, stuff like that would happen. Um, where did you, where'd you, where'd you stand on uh, Jack Sock's return to the US? Didn't he get labelled in the Davis Cup squad as well or something like that? There was some squad. Not in the got- last one, but, but he did go to Madrid um, when they played the finals in November. Okay, that might have been it. Um, it was the Bryan brothers that played doubles in the Hawaii one recently. Look, if you ask anybody, um, even when, he, when he's not playing, Jack Sock's still one of the best, if not the best, doubles player in the world. Um, so to have him on a Davis Cup team, because he, if you look, when he wins doubles titles, he wins with a bunch of different guys. Like He can carry... Not that he's carrying people, but he can carry people to the doubles title. The guy's an amazing doubles guy. So, yeah. you know, once once his his fitness gets back there and his and his, you know, he, he made the final of the Indian Wells Challenger right before Indian Wells. You can see he's starting, excuse me, starting to come back. So he beat Fognini at Lever Cup. Fognini's top ten. So um, his skill set is still there. So you know, if he decides he wants to come back, he he'll come back. It's what? it's a non-issue. What do you yeah, think? He lost of, to another American in the final, didn't he? Steve Johnson, is it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Uh, big Steve. Yeah. We love Big Steve. He's such a nice guy. I talked to him a lot. He's such a good guy. We were there. Do you know why him? he's dropped down? Why did he drop down to the challengers? Um, I, you know, sometimes it's rank based. So you know, you, you you have you know, like the year before, he won a few ATP titles, wasn't able to defend points, and his ranking slipped a little. And so sometimes, you know, there'd be just chasing some points to your main draw of a slam, uh, which is where the money is. Um, or you, you just want to get your ranking up. So now you're getting into mass series events. And, and, and so sometimes you have to drop back down to the challenger. Some of the top challengers still offer quite a few. So if you win one, I mean, sometimes it's like making the final or almost making the full of an ATP 250. So, yeah, so, so and, and, you know, as you guys know, the confidence is such a big thing and you get some match wins and they're not easy. I mean, challenger matches are tough. Yeah. No, no, so, sure. so if you're winning, if you're winning, all of a sudden you get this confidence boost and, and now that translates to the main tour. So you see the same so yeah, thing from ITFs to challengers as well. Like a lot 100%. of players are playing ITFs and then they move up to the challenger and it's a little bit too early. And then they find themselves dropping back down into the challenge, uh, ITFs rather, again before yeah. they're ready to make that jump because it is like the standard of challengers. Like we always harp on about, it. we love challengers. Like we yeah, literally we follow them probably more than ATP events sometimes. Oh yeah, and yeah. and it's easier to follow. You can get on the live stream app and watch almost every match. Yep. Um, if you're if you're there physically in person, they're usually free or a minimal cost to watch the best tennis in the world like people don't realize how high of a level and then you'll see the top guys drop down and play a challenger because it's in their hometown or i mean taylor played one right after the aussie open he was third round against dominic team and he's playing a challenger (laughs) the next week in california because it's near his house you know it doesn't have to be incredible that you see some of the younger players obviously that's where they all start so a lot of these top players they started in the challenges and they worked their way up so you can you're able to see one of these top players just as they're starting off in their career and how amazing exactly. is that to say you've seen no. the like of a top player? 
Yeah, exactly. Like it's pretty cool. And so a lot of the, the casual tennis fan don't know about the challengers and, and that it's free and that they can, they can go watch unreal tennis, you know? Yeah, we had plans to go, didn't we, Ben? We were going yeah. to go to a few challengers and obviously all this coronavirus, you can't go anywhere. Sort of ruined our plans a bit, but well, like, we I'm know like, the, we know how amazing they are and we just can't wait to get there because we've yeah. not seen much tennis live. We go to Wimbledon most years, but aside from that, we miss out on a lot of that. So that's what we're And, and especially, well, sorry, especially yeah. the challengers no. that, are that are between events, like the Surbiton Grass Court Challenger, that's yeah. the second week of the French. But high level, high level tennis. Yeah. Really good access to the players, you know? It's yeah. We're gonna best say kept we, secret in tennis. We watched a couple of uh, the US players. I knew that JG hadn't been to Wimbledon before. So, so I said, let's go to Wimbledon last year. And then we queued up and then went, just did the whole experience. You get to queue for like four or five hours, like <laughs> from five in the morning, just to get some tickets to go into the ground and that. And you just get to go around and just have a few beers in the queue, this type of thing. It's a great day out. You get, if you get in early enough, that's why I said get there early. We get, we work out what's caught. We got to see Steve Johnson versus Alex well, Demonor. Don't worry about that though, Ben. He goes straight through the players. Yeah, I know, exactly. All the, all the top dogs. But no, but being in the queue is part of the experience. It is like, the experience. Be, before yeah. I jumped on tour, I actually wanted to do that. I wanted to go and join the queue. Being wow. a tennis junkie, it's like rite of well, passage. You can't the, invite, the, the invite's there next year, mate. It's coming All on. All right. <laughs> I'll join you guys. That'll be fun. That's what I mean. But uh, yeah, we went there. I was saying to him, I wanted to uh, go in with it because it was the 4th of July. I wanted to go in with an American flag because literally we sat on this Steve Johnson court I've, and I was cheering for big Steve for the whole thing. He beat Alex de Menor. Amazing. Then we went on to watch John Isner. He was playing uh, Kukushkin on the next yep. court. Another amazing yeah. match. Five-setter, that one. Big John lost that one, though. It's a bit sad, but Kukushkin played so well. It was an incredible match. Just like His just backhand a... stays so flat and low. It's weird. He has a double-handed backhand, but the ball slices. It goes underspin. So it, it, on grass, he's nasty. Yeah, How really he was good. getting those serves back, I was just beyond us, I think. We were just watching that serve go... literally back in play nearly every it, time. It's unbelievable. that The skill set that those guys have is unbelievable. It's that just really another level. But yeah, that was a great experience. But we, yeah, we want to get in the challenges. We need to just get this whole lockdown thing done. Let's get rid of this bloody coronavirus. And then we want to sure. get back out. We want to get on the tour, get to our first challenger event. And then, yeah, we can have some vlogs. We can have some just more stuff to report on, just meet some players, just build the channel. Yeah, and, and hopefully if the channel builds, then you can get press access to the big the big ones. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that'll be brilliant. But at the start, right. we're just happy to go to the channel. Like, we know, the, like, literally, we talk about more of the players in the Challenger every day because we work together. We literally are talking about, they're like household names, all these people who are 200 in the world, but to us. <laughs> so we go and we meet them. It's like meeting like, some of the top 20. Sure, like we've been sure. we've been we've been chatting about them for the past sure. like six months to a year. So yeah, it's great oh, for awesome. us. 
Yeah, That's so awesome. we're like going to be fans meeting them. And they're probably, I don't know, maybe they're That's not going to expect that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of those guys are end up going hit, to be hitting the big time. So you meet them at that level and now all of a sudden you're interviewing them at Wimbledon, you know? Well, exactly. Yeah, they'll be in the box watching them in the, in the big game. <laughs> <then. laughs> yeah, yeah. You get an well, invite. Well, exactly. Know? Like, Jaron, you were watching Dominic Team from when he was in juniors yeah. or something wasn't yeah, yeah. so no, it, was, it wasn't quite but it was when he was younger was when he's super when he young nobody playing thing and it's just incredible now how far he's come so when you follow a person's journey it makes when they get to the actual final thing so much more like you they mean so much more to you yeah you're more vested oh, yeah. you know because yeah yeah you've seen you've them grow them. and yeah you've watched them you're you're yeah it's it's part of it, right? It's all one thing, just being there for the, ah, oh, look, now they're doing well in Wimbledon. They made the fourth round or something. But you weren't there for when they were struggling in the third set of an ITF down in, I don't know, some right? some, some dead-end town. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's not It's not that glamorous. Even the Challenger Tour, uh, no, it's not glamorous what, at all. It's, it's a tough life. It's not that's easy. That's what Mark Aura said, that he came out and he said that it was really tough for him he he said that if you go out in the first round of a challenger you get 400 euros uh, you're, you're making a negative and then you still got to get to the next yeah. challenger yeah exactly that's what he said you know, he, he had to fly to argentina yeah i mean yeah. it's it's sometimes a one-way international flight that you're paying for the night before two days before it's brutal yeah and just think if you go out in the first round like that's what are you supposed to, if you don't have another tournament within the same vicinity, like where you can just travel to on like a, I don't know how they're traveling, like by a taxi or by bus or something. I don't know. Train, I don't know how, you know, don't know yeah. how they're traveling I mean, in that, on that level of the game. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. You, you, sometimes you'll rent a car and squeeze four guys into the car and then drive to the next thing, you know? And that's what we want. And, that's the side of tennis we want to actually get across to people as well because people don't, Un- really understand it. I don't think people seem to think it's ATP or nothing. There's no, I remember in the futures tour, we'd cram five guys in a room, we'd draw <laughs> straws as to who gets the bed, <laughs> and then you'd go to the grocery store and buy bread and cheese, and that would be your breakfast, lunch, and dinner because that, that's all you could afford, you know. And how are you supposed to be performing at your peak when you're eating terribly? You're advising this as a physio, terribly. sleep on a no, hard floor, no, I'm not, but financially, that's how. That's how a lot of guys have yeah, that's to good do though, it, man. at least that, while that, they're starting that, out. That's literally how it grows you as a man anyway. It makes you yeah. hungry. Look for the Absolutely. Success. And then you do appreciate it. Yeah, you, you appreciate definitely appreciate it when you have all the luxuries. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think we should probably wrap it up there. We've been speaking for so long. I mean, we've probably gone on for ages. <laughs> we could. It's been a pleasure to have you on, Walt. We're yeah. going to have to do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be on. For sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. Have you got any, uh, if you want to promote uh, any of your channels or any of your physio websites or anything like that, go ahead now. I don't really have any now because I'm working on them during this time that I'm at home. So oh, okay. eventually I will. So um, yeah, it, it'll get there. I'm, I'm creating the content now. How's that? <laughs> But if you want to catch him, you can probably look up at Taylor Fritz's box when he's celebrating and then you'll see him there, maybe. I get a lot of, I get a lot of TV time. I'm usually, my friends are always texting me like, you're on TV again. So yeah. I do get a lot of That's TV good. time. Yeah, yeah I'm good. sure you'll see this guy around anyway. He's with a lot of the big players. And like you said, the American tennis is on the rise. So this guy is going to be there as well with them. Along the whole it's way. exciting times. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Been a pleasure. Thank you for having Thank me. You so Thank much. you for having Cheers. me. Cheers. 
Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.